Welcome to Wednesday. Y'all defrosting? It's cold out here. Seven degrees here in Chattanooga this morning. My kids even got a snow day, like the whole valley over here, Hamilton County. It's in shambles. Kids have been out of school for two days. Never thought they got a snow day down here. But you know what? Our neighbors across the street, they haven't been deterred by this crappy weather. Take a look at how steam is ringing the gong during a snowstorm. Snowball gong! Love it. See, if you can't beat it, you got to join it. Excellent job of the team over at Steam over there. Got a couple of headlines before we get to some awesome guests today. Some things have happened in the world where we were away on Monday. Big topic we've been talking about all year in the end of last year. Red Sea conflict. That's right. The Red Sea conflict has worsened, forcing more ship detours around Africa. Now, I'll tell you why this is a bad thing at the end, but it goes a little like this. Greg Miller reports U.S. and U.K. airstrikes on Houthi positions in Yemen have not made the Red Sea any safer for shipping. He says Red Sea issues are getting worse, not better. That's Stiffel shipping analyst Ben Nolan. This comes after a couple more strikes hit to start the week. The dry bulk carrier Gibraltar Eagle, owned by Connecticut-based Eagle Bulk, was struck by an anti-ship ballistic missile in the Gulf of Aden on Monday. The Greek-owned dry bulk carrier Zongrafi was hit by a missile in the southern Red Sea on Tuesday. Energy shipper Shell halted all Red Sea transits on Tuesday, as did the big three Japanese tanker and bulk owners. Those are MOL, NYK, and K-Line. Container ship divisions around the Cape of Good Hope now appear likely to last for months. Now, we've, we were talking about this with John. We've talked about this with Sal. What it means for you is that container spot rates, they're already up about 400% if you're shipping over there. And this was before bulkers pulled out of the equation. So we hadn't really talked about energy yet. We assumed they were just going to attack container ships. So that's a real new development with the bulk, bulker ships. Transit times also up. Uh, insurance rates are also up. An extended conflict will only add to all that. Be aware, be prepared. This could be an expensive year yet again for ocean shipping after it had dropped back down. We're going to see some movement here. Another story that's been going around, Ford Air Omni merger. Is this thing going to happen already? There's been a big dust up. They're going to head to trial this week on Friday and hopefully finally get it sorted out. Todd Maiden reports a merger dispute between Ford Air and Omni Logistics was finally will finally be heard by a courtroom on Friday. The Delaware Court of Chancery will be tasked with determining if Omni breached the deal agreement by failing to meet certain pre-closing additions and if it misrepresented financial projections as Ford has alleged. Omni filed suit against Ford at the end of October, saying the Lesson Truckload Company was seeking to unjustifiably terminate the merger because of the backlash it had received from investors who were miffed they wouldn't be afforded a vote on the deal prior to closing. Shortly after the August 10th deal announcement, shares of Ford Air dropped more than 40% and are now just half the pre-deal value. Extended conflict, taking taking down the deal over here. Hopefully they get this sorted out before uh, it gets any worse. One more here. This is great news for a truck driver. One million dollar win for a truck driver on a scratch ticket. See, Uncle Andy, you can win. 400000 This guy got $400,000 lump sum. WARL reports. I believe they're over in uh, the North Carolina over 
North Carolina area, trucker William Roberts, he bought his lucky $10 million spectacular scratch ticket from a Circle K on Davis Drive in Mooresville when, bam, he nailed the numbers. This guy had only won $50 before, and I mean $500 before on these $50 scratch tickets. They're pretty pricey. He says, I got up Sunday morning and went to buy a cup of coffee from the store. I sat in my car drinking my coffee while I scratched my ticket. Robert said he won that $500. You can win $10 million total. He didn't get the biggest jackpot, though. But he said when Roberts arrived at the lottery headquarters, he had to make a decision. He could choose to receive the prize money as an annuity of $50,000 over 20 years, or he could just take that lump sum right away of $600,000, which would end up being $429,000 after taxes. He went with the lump sum. And you know what he says he's going to do? He says, I'm a truck driver, so I'll probably invest the money into buying more trucks for my business. But I asked the logistics community what they would do with their million-dollar win. Would they buy more trucks? Is this a good market? Maybe it's going to pick back up like Ocean Freight has. Patty says, quit and focus on funding, building, retirement. My husband keeps working and contributing to said fund. Hey, Patty, that is a good deal for you. Definitely not doing anything in logistics. Rich said, I would invest in property, maybe set up a truck parking lot. Hey, like my friends at Truck Parking Club. Julia says, invest in property, fence the farm, donate to animal shelters, fix the barn. I hope she wins at some point. Betty said, I would have chosen the 20-year 20, 20 annuity first off. I don't know if I would have. I think I'd rather have it in my hand, have a chance in investing it. Not sure about you guys. Trucker Bob says, buy a truck and do belly bump. I'd have the ability to be home every day. A lot of people not just straight out retiring, though. They're not seeing that, you know, 400 and some odd thousand is enough. And uh, Easy Money says, how do you make a small fortune in trucking? Start out with a large one. Hey, we have some awesome guests today on episode 670 of What the Truck. I'm talking to Happy Robot co-founder Pablo Palafox about the company's AI assistant for logistics industry. Happy Robot connects to your TMS to handle load updates, capacity requests, check calls, or appointment scheduling. We're going to find out how it works. We're even going to get a demo of this uh, wonderful little tool to see if the AI hype. This is what it's cracked up to be. Freightwaves Justin Martin stops by. He's talking about all the different issues in trucking. He's looking at driver assist technology, carrier safety ratings, helping other drivers out in the cold. People, we need it out there. Logistics horror stories and how to search your freight broker's room. And it's National Dairy Day, so we're talking this Cambridge Security Seals. Claudia Coates, we're going to learn all about the seals that keep milk and dairy safe during transport. But you know what? Pablo Palafox, co-founder of Happy Robot, is sitting right there in the bullpen. So let's bring him up. Hey, Pablo. You want a million dollars on a scratch ticket, buddy. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, man. I, I think I, I would have gone for the farm. It sounds like a great idea. You're going to go for a farm? We always talk about that with, with my brother and co-founder, Javi. So, hey, I would have gone for that. <laughs> you know, I know a guy uh, from Locust Robotics, and he has, he builds, uh, he builds like warehouse robots, but he also has a robot farm. Maybe that could be like your next iteration of AI. That's super cool. We could automate that with, with voice agents as well. <laughs> but no, I, I guess investing is a smart way to go. Hey, Pablo, where are, you, where are you coming in from? Where are you hanging out? What part of the world right now? Yeah, I'm in San Francisco right now. Beautiful. Not as cold as here. Chattanooga, you know, the, the southeast. When I moved here from Boston, I thought, like, put the winter jacket away. No way. Seven degrees. Man, I don't know. Like, it's quite cold in the nights. Like, it's quite foggy. Like, San Francisco, I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Like, lots of sun, California. And then I come here, and it's like... There's a lot of fog around, but hey, beats Munich, which is where I was before in Germany for a while. So, <laughs> wow! What brought you to the states? Were you born in Munich originally? Did you did you come over here? Yeah, so we're uh, three three co-founders in Hamburg, but we're Spanish, and we um, yeah we're um, kind of all over the place. I went to Munich for six years to do my my PhD there, and at some point we start Hamburg, but and. Yeah, we uh, we come here to build uh, to build a company. We got accepted into uh, Y Combinator, 
which is a startup accelerator here in San Francisco. And uh, yeah, we, we had to come, right? Um, it's not easy <laughs> to, to set it up, visa stuff, but we, we managed to, to, to get those visas and get here. And now we're, we're thriving, very excited to be here and building HyperOvid. Well, you're here at the right time. A lot of the pitches and, and, and the talk in freight tech has switched over to AI, a lot of AI tools being deployed. A lot of them led originally by chat GPT, got people, uh, the mainstream interested in it. And now all these tools are starting to be deployed. What is Happy Robot? What does that do? Right. So Happy Robot, basically, we build voice AI assistance to automate phone calls in freight. So think of a, of a carrier. Uh, getting phone calls from from uh, the broker, right? Uh, hey, what's your capacity? Well, we can uh, get our AI assistant connected to your TMS, to uh, things like lost freight, your your truck list, and get uh, that information from those databases and provide that over the phone to the person calling. We can do the same for the other side, for the broker side, right? Like uh, the shipper calls in, like, hey, where's my load? Sure, let me just look into the into the TMS and, and give you the info, right? So essentially, that's what we're, we're building, like automating those phone calls and potentially emails in the future. So interesting. So like in the past, I would have to wake up at 5 a.m. I'd have to do all this stuff myself. And now you're making a tool to make that load, to take that load off of uh, the, the booking agent or whomever may be deploying the tool. In a sense, yes. Like we know, we acknowledge that um, we cannot like cover everything. Like there's complex cases for which humans are much needed, but we want to like offload that like a repetitive tasks, like the, the easy ones from the human so that like that one hour check call that the broker has to do when a, when a load is late, hey, you can just like click a button and like have the, the AI, we call it Kate, uh, have Kate like automatically call your, your uh, dispatcher and hey, where's, where's the load? And the, the dispatch agent also on the, on the side of the carrier. So we, at some point, I guess we'll have like two bots like talking to each other. Uh, we'll just like communicate between the other. The, the, the thing here is like, why don't we just like use APIs and like do like digital stuff? This is a conversation we've had many times. And um, I was chatting with a, a common friend of ours, right, uh, Adrian Garcia from Money Transport, and um, we were like discussing how the the ideal scenario would be one where, yeah, like there's um, connections between all the systems digitally, but that's not going to be the reality because integration integration is hard. Uh, it requires like coding, it requires uh, development. But if we have this sort of soft API, which uh, I like to think about um, between the systems through the existing channels, like uh, phone, email. I think that's the way to go. Like these soft API where us, Hyperobot or other companies just integrate into your system, but exposes the information via the phone or email with a smart soft API being the AI, the, the GPT in a sense, if that makes sense. Interesting. So what made you decide to develop this? Had you been working in logistics before? Like what gave you the idea to go develop Kate and solve this particular problem? Right. So um, for one, Javi, uh, he was working at Diolio, an olive oil company. So like, he was on the shipper side here in the, in the North, uh, in North America. So he suffered that pain with, with ecologistics, like having to have a lot of uh, phone, phone calls, emails back and forth. Right. But on the other hand, we honestly just said, Hey, we want to build like something cool at the time, like voice for my other co-founder, Luis was like super cool. Like, Oh, let's do something with like voice conversational AI. And um, yeah, a few months ago, we, we decided to, to start building these and it's, it's, it's been great. We're uh, in production with companies like, uh, like Money Transport, um, some moving companies as well, uh, like Bellhop. And uh, yeah, but on the freight side, we're very excited to, to, to like keep digging. We recently integrated into uh, Transport Pro, uh, a leading TMS, 
and uh, we're building out those integrations right to other systems. So very exciting times. Well, so okay, how does how does it work? I, I believe you have a demo for us. Can we can we see this in action? Yeah. Let's do that, man. Um, I'm going to be calling in. I guess I can do like two quick demos. One like more serious one, and the other one like just messing around with the AI. Okay. So let me just put that here. Kate with Monet Transport. How can I help you today? Hey, Kate. How's it going? Um, I was hoping you could give me your capacity for tomorrow uh, from uh, Kansas to uh, Laredo. Let me check. It looks like we don't have current capacity for Kansas to Laredo tomorrow. However, we do run that lane on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Would you like me to update you on our capacity for this lane in the future? If so... Could you please provide your email? Do you actually have uh, anything from Kansas to Laredo? Otherwise, uh, can you actually uh, connect me to uh, dispatch? Sure, I'll check for any capacity from Kansas for tomorrow. We have capacity available from Kansas City, Missouri to Laredo, Texas for tomorrow. What time do you need the load to be picked up? And may I have your email to proceed with the booking? Yeah, I'll uh, have it picked up at 9 a.m. Great, a 9 a.m. pickup time. Could you please provide your email so we can move forward with the booking? Uh, yeah, so that's Pablo, uh, P-A-B-L-O at gmail.com. Got it. That's Pablo P as in Peter, A as in Apple, B as in boy, L as in lion, O as in octopus at gmail.com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. I'll connect you with dispatch to finalize the details for your load. Okay, so this is gonna this is actually gonna call the, the, the folks over at Money Transport. Okay. So I'll, I'll stop that there. Uh, yeah. Now let's do another one where I just uh, mess up with it and, and let's see what happens if we like start saying weird things to the AI. Okay. Hi, this is Kate. Hey, Kate. Um, will you marry no me? <laughs> I really want to marry you. I'm just a virtual assistant. Oh. I'm flattered, but I'm just an AI assistant here to help with transportation services. How can I assist you with your shipping needs today? Really? No, not even a dinner with me? I appreciate the humor, but let's focus on transportation. Do you need to check our truck capacity or perhaps something else related to shipping? Uh, what else can you assist me with? I can help with a variety of inquiries, such as checking truck capacity for specific lanes, providing updates on shipments, connecting you with sales for quotes and pricing, transferring you okay, to... Okay, never mind, never mind. Booking, I just want to be connected to... Uh, can you connect me to Dooner? Hold on a sec. Give me just a moment. Sure, I'll connect you to Tim Dooner. Just a moment. Oh, oh, hey, my, my phone's ringing. Hey, look, who is this? Is this going to be Kate? Hold on, let's put it on a speakerphone. Hello? Hello, what's up? Oh it's, oh, it's you directly. I thought I was going to be talking to Kate. I was going to apologize for your behavior on the phone to her on, on your behalf. 
No, that's really, wow, that's really, uh, that's really cool. So let me ask you something. People who want to take their own demo of this, how do they reach out to you? How do they connect with you? And how do they figure out how Kate works? Yeah, so um, best reach out over LinkedIn or via email. They can reach out as uh, at founders at happyrobot.ai, or they can just go to the website as well, like happyrobot.ai, easy to, to remember. Happyrobot.ai. Hey, it was, it was amazing to meet you. Thank you so much for the call. It was great to meet Kate. Everybody go out and get your capacity filled with AI. Thank you, Dinner. Bye. Take, thank you so much. Take it easy. All right, meanwhile, it happens when you're the only shipper at a freight conference and people find out they're trying to tackle you down. I have no idea what this guy actually did to turn an entire beach on him. And as you watch this, he's getting, he's running around. There's a guy trying to wedgie him. John Brewer says, when they start chasing me with guns, that's when I'm out of the conference. Jeremy, Jeremy England says, I'm laughing because it's true. Better stretch your legs before walking in. You see, too, the, the cop pulled the gun out. There's a guy who's going to come in and just out, off the side of the screen, just jump kick this guy down. Jay Silva says, man, this is too accurate, especially at Rilla. Jeremy Grindord says, also, I thought the wedgie was an underrated attempt, but I think everyone assumed shame would keep him down. And Chad Armitage sort of put a helmet and pads on the guy and sign him. Yeah, the Eagles could have used him in their safety. Hey, people, it's National Dairy Day, I believe. Let's talk to Claudia Coates, her business development manager over at Cambridge Security Seals, about sealing up the milk. What's up, Claudia? Hi, Tim. Thank you for having me on your show. It's nice to see you again. Is it as freezing where you are as where we are? It's, uh, we, we, we've kind of warmed up. Let's see. Where are we at now? 23 degrees in Chattanooga. It is. Um, this morning it was 18 in Jersey, and it's gone up to about 20 now, which is wonderful. I still have to convert into Celsius, but that's pretty cold. Wow. Well, when we're talking about National Dairy Day, we are talking about the United States dairy farms. They produce 21 billion gallons of milk annually. That's going to take a lot of seals to contain all that dairy and milk. What, how does Cambridge Security Seals get involved with this industry? What kind of seals y'all got? Well, thank you, Tim. Um, food safety is inherently a very high-risk supply chain. Um, the, the consumer is demanding in terms of transparency to know that the product that they're getting has not been contaminated in any way. And there's obviously theft attraction around dairy products too. And that's where Cambridge's uniquely numbered seals are a critical component in supporting the chain of custody, because from a number of production processes right through to the, the handling of products, through to further processing and then transportation right through into supermarket shelves, um, security seals are critical for that because they're uniquely numbered, they can be tracked, um, and that becomes a very important part of the protocols of manufacturing and supply chain. So, yes, in terms of dairy, um, it's, it's, it's a supply chain that involves so many different hands, and one of the easiest ways to monitor who is doing what they should be with any kind of compromise um, would be the use of security seals. Now, the one seal that you guys probably don't make on the milk, though, is the actual like milk ring, or do you make those too? No, that's not something that we do. That's really just part of the secondary packaging, um, but that's not actually in, in the world of security seals. It's probably referred to as a closure and a seal, but it, it, it's not anything that we do. So when we think about security seals for, for dairy, we're talking about for uh, reception and storage. You're looking at automation equipment. Is that where you have seals as well? Uh, secondary packaging, sensors, things like that. How does it all come together? So 
The seals are uniquely numbered, Tim, and in a, in a production or processing plant, there are so many different areas that can be sealed, even just to show that somebody hasn't tampered with the settings, whether it's um, intentionally or whether someone just did something that they shouldn't have done negligently. So right through from self-adhesive seals that can show a reaction when they lifted, that provides a visual inspection that something isn't how it should be. So it enables line managers and supervisors to just very easily see if things have been disturbed or if there should be any kind of a further investigation. Um, things like valves and automation equipment, um, bottling plants, and then through to the secondary packaging. Um, when, when a supermarket has obviously placed an order on a particular vendor, um, it's so easy for theft to occur in small quantities. So whether it's palletized or in, in other packages, bulk packaging can be sealed with things like security tape and then right through to the trucks, which would also be sealed with a security seal, either a disposable seal that has a unique number or an electronic seal that changes the number virtually. But at the end of the day, it gives complete comfort to the, the buyer, the receiving supermarket and obviously the, the, the consumer that the point of liability could easily have been identified if there was any kind of breach, um, unauthorized access or any kind of, of interference. Seals, you mentioned it right there, disposable. But is there any kind of eco push for, I don't know, reusable or sustainable types of seals? Tim, there is. Um, in many ways, the market isn't that sophisticated yet. People do talk about it and it becomes an agenda point in meetings. But to be honest, um, there, there isn't such a drive towards that yet. Um, at Cambridge, we do manufacture seals from recycled material. So we do try and give second life to as many of our products that we can right here in Pomona, New York. And then we do have an alternative, which is an electronic solution for companies who are really intent on, on finding a greener solution. Um, it's basically a lock that is fitted to the back of the truck and it generates a virtual seal number. So you don't have an, an actual tangible product that has to be procured, shipped, stored, used, and then obviously disposed of. Interesting. How much is tech playing into seals right now? They seem like such a, a basic thing, but the way you're talking about them, it sounds like they're getting a lot more interesting. Tim, there are many solutions around, but many of them are still, um, in, in my opinion, cost prohibitive and unstable in the technology. You know, you, you can get something that can do absolutely anything, um, but it's all related to cost and practicality. And something that we noticed, particularly post-COVID, was the, the churn of workers. So investing in an electronic solution that requires training and lots and lots of sort of practice is, is redundant if you have a workforce that keeps on changing. Um, and that's where SEALs are pretty simple to understand. You literally can have an intake of staff over a busy holiday period and explain with some basic tutorials how the SEAL works, uh, how you should make sure that it hasn't been compromised. And it's easier for someone to learn and then obviously comply with. So technology has its, has its place, but it's definitely not as prominent to eradicate the need for one-time use SEALs. You are on the business development side, so I'm curious, what makes someone decide to go to a new seal provider? What are the customers value in this space? What is like, ah, I can't use these seals anymore. I got to go to Cambridge. That's, that's a lovely question, Tim. And, and I think that speaks really to me. Um, we are in such a commoditized business like so many others. And I think 
what what really makes Cambridge stand out is the, the personable care. Um, we, we really take the time to listen. And very often there isn't a gigantic difference between company A's plastic seal and our plastic seal. Um, our quality is superb. Yes, we're ISO certified. Uh, we really pay attention to so much of the innovation and the quality and the packaging. But I think we, we really and truly stand out and, and we make that an absolute daily goal is just the way that we take care of customers, taking the time to understand their pain points um, and, and just saying to them, give it to us. We'll make sense of it for you. And you've got peace of mind. It's, it's really something you shouldn't be spending an awful lot of time on. And let us do that. That's, that's what we do well. That's what we, that's what we love. I have one trivia question before you. For you, before I let you go, this is a national Dairy Day trivia question. How? How? <laughs> how you get me out? <laughs> I don't know. This is. A, I didn't know this one. This this one surprised me. So even if you don't get it right, the audience will at least learn something. Cows have. Do I, do I win a million dollars if I get it right? Uh, no, you got to get a scratch ticket over in North Carolina, like that one truck driver. <laughs> would you take? Would you have taken the annuity, or would you take the whole lump at once? Mm, lump sum. Lump sum. Yeah, you got it, because then you can make your own investments. Who knows if we'll even be alive in 20 years, right? It's too long to wait. Okay, cows have an acute sense of smell. How many miles can a cow smell for? Like, what's the longest distance a cow can smell for? Some. <laughs> Ten. You were close. It was six miles. I Who knew? Who knew that a cow would be able to get okay. away that far away? <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, Claudia, how do people get some new tamper resistance, some new milk seals, some new dairy seals from you and your wonderful team? Tim, thank you. Our website, cambridgeseals.com. Um, and I don't know if, you, if you'd like an email, it's ccoatser at cambridgeseals.com. And we're very agile in responding to customer questions. And hopefully we can, we can make this part of your life easy. Hey, thank you so much for stopping by today on this National Dairy Day. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Take it easy. All right. Now sitting in the bullpen, we got my buddy from Travelers. I hope he's staying warm. Craig, where are you in the world? It's uh, 23 degrees here in Chattanooga, but it was it was seven degrees yeah. in the morning. I am uh, in Chicago, right outside of Chicago, Illinois, in uh, in Naperville, where it's a balmy 16. But that's looking up because, you know, the past few days it hasn't been above zero. So do you don't have any? Pretty, it's pretty chilly. You don't have an EV, do you? There was a, there was an article in the, in like uh, USA Today or something yesterday that was like all the all the Teslas in Chicago have frozen and it's causing huge issues. Yeah, no, I I, I do not have an EV, but I I have some folks that work with me that do, and uh, it's it's not it's not a good good place to be right now. Uh, if you have an, an EV with a lithium ion battery, it's pretty challenging. So. No, no, you might need you, you might need a contingent. Maybe you need a nice vehicle backup. Maybe you need a second car. But if you're a broker, maybe you need contingent coverage. That's something we talked about last time you were on. Anything new here? Yeah, yeah no, we talked about contingent coverage and how it's a good backstop for a freight broker to have so that their shipping customer can be made whole if the trucking company who should pay for the cargo damage fails to do so. Um, it's relatively inexpensive, so there's really little reason not to have it. And today we have a sidebar topic to contrast, contingent coverage, what we got to do. Set the table for us, sir. Yeah, so today's topic addresses important things that freight brokers should consider before they sign a contract, and contingent coverage happens to be one of them. <clears throat> Interesting. Well, that's, I mean, thanks to the, the freight brokers, though, they're not, they shouldn't 
uh, free brokers have to sign contracts, right? But how do they know which ones to sign? Well, you know, it's not news. You know, contracts uh, will change the balance of who's responsible for what. So you need to understand how to con- how a contract changes your liability before you sign it. And there are a few things that you can you should consider. <clears throat> okay, great. Spell it out for us. What do we need to consider? Yeah, so the first thing to consider, first thing to remember that there are two different kinds of co- uh, coverage for, for freight brokers. The first is liability coverage, which covers your legal liability as a freight broker for cargo damage. And then the second is contingent coverage, which, of course, protects against cargo loss or damage when you aren't liable, but the liable trucking company fails to pay. And then after you remember the different kinds of coverages, you need to think about the policy in front of you, and you need to ask yourself, you know, what's covered and what's not. Some policies don't cover uh, certain commodities. So, for example, commodities like precious metals or seafood, pharmaceuticals, uh, these kinds of things aren't covered. So you really need to know what the commodity is that's being transported, since these commodities may require uh, a special insurance. And then, and then also looking at the policy, you need to ask yourself, are the cause, are the cause, what causes of loss are covered and what aren't covered? So things like you know, causes of loss like dishonest acts by the driver or theft from an unattended vehicle uh, or even improper setting of refrigeration thermostats. These are causes of loss that not all policies cover. And then lastly, when looking at the coverage, you need to ask yourself, does the policy only cover damage that involves a specific, uh, specifically listed vehicle or a specifically listed uh, driver? Um, you need to read your policies carefully. Uh, check the certificate of insurance also for the trucking company's policy, which may have a clue uh, as to this kind of information. Sounds like a lot of responsibility. There are a lot of variables to take into consideration before you sign on the dotted line. Looking at the you know uh, the the coverages and the insurance policies, you need to take a look at the contract and specifically consider liability assumption because you know generally, as we've spoken about before here. A broker isn't liable for cargo loss or damage because they don't actually handle the goods. They don't touch the cargo. Um, But some contract terms might make the brokers fully liable for that damage as if they were the trucking company. Um, And that's that's close to a strict liability. And so and another thing that's important to pay attention to in contracts uh, after you you read carefully for liability assumption is, you know, uh, the distinction uh, between minimum limits of insurance with a limitation of liability. So those are two different things, and a loss might be greater than the limit of insurance that's spelled out on the contract. And this this will expose the freight broker to uh, an unfortunate and uninsured loss. So for example, um, let's say we have a $200,000 cargo loss, and we only have $100,000 worth of insurance coverage that's required by the contract. And the broker in that case is then exposed to the $100,000 of uninsured loss, meaning the $100,000 beyond the limit of insurance in the contract. On the other hand, when the contract stipulates a limitation of liability of $100,000, then the broker shouldn't be responsible or liable beyond that $100,000. So it's really critical to remember when you look at a contract and, and, and understand that a contract limitation of liability is not uh, a contract limit of insurance. It's not a limit of insurance. Not that that wasn't enough, but is there more that freight brokers have to consider when signing a contract? Yeah, as a matter of fact, there is, but uh, we're, we're in the home stretch here. So the last thing you need to think about and consider before signing a contract are whether or not there are any coverage gaps. And you need to understand that, you know, contingent coverage policy, contingent coverage, coverage policies aren't, 
aren't created equally. Unfortunately, there's not standard wording uh, for contingent coverage policy, so you have to read them carefully uh, to understand the triggers and limitations. You know, for example, some policies won't provide coverage at all if a payment of any kind in any amount is made by the trucker's insurance company. So a little awareness can go a long, long way. Yeah, better safe than sorry in this situation. Well, exactly. And, and look, um, all this contract stuff, it sounds, it sounds intimidating, you know, but it's really not. It's just paying attention to what's in front of you, uh, being aware of what policies and contracts are in place, and then taking stock of any potential coverage gaps. You know, you just, just pause, pause a moment, ask yourself a few questions, double check a few things before you sign anything. And it's better to do this before the shipment happens, you know, to attempt to identify an uninsured exposure rather than trying to address this uh, or address these uninsured exposures after the loss occurs. Yeah, a lot to think about there. How do people go and get more information about this? Travelers.com is where you, where you would go. Craig, stay warm. Stay warm over in that windy city of Chicago. Maybe next year will be a good one for your bears. I don't think Belichick's going there. <laughs> we'll see. Thanks so much for having me. You might be my neighbor in Atlanta. That's, that's the rumors. We'll see. Take it easy, sir. Appreciate your time today. All right, elsewhere. Riding a jet ski in my parents' house. I bought this jet ski the other day, but there's nowhere to ride it outside, so obviously I got to ride it inside. So I bought a pool, and you would not believe how hard it is to put a jet ski inside of a house. But after a few hours, I got the pool filled with water, put on my life jacket, and started living the dream. Hey, Dad, come down here. What the f***? I know you want to ride this. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Get on in your teeth! Come on, man. <laughs> Woo! Get the start, bud. Get a little gas. Oh my god, stop getting the gas! Woo! I'm a cowboy! What the f? Are you kidding me? Are you fing kidding me? What? Get on this s, but remember we said I'm gonna keep liking it. And you're in the fing pool, too? Are you kidding me? What? How did you even get a jet ski in the fing Yeah, well, it's fun while it lasted. Dads are the best. All right, super trucker, Justin Martin. Twenty years from now, Sully puts a jet ski in the basement of your house. How does your wife react? Better not be one of those Yamahas that shoots the spray out the back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she would be well, livid. He was warning his dad not to go too hard on the throttle. He was like, "Dad, don't, don't gas it up too much." Yeah, dad, dad seemed to have a lot more fun with it. Uh, Mom looked pretty livid there at the end. <laughs> hey, we started the show, by the way, talking about a truck driver who won a million dollars on a scratch ticket. Instead of the annuity, he took the 600000 lump sum, got about 429000 after taxes. What would you do if you, that was your scratch ticket, Justin? Exact same thing. Always go for the, uh, the lump sum. The lump sum. But, like, what would you do with the cash, the cashish? Oh. Uh, pay off the house, pay off my parents' debt, pay off my uh, in-laws' debt, and then see what we have left over. You wouldn't buy some semi-trucks? The guy in the store was like, I'm going to buy more trucks. It was like, I, that money could go pretty quick. Uh, maybe a couple G-Wagons. A couple G-Wagons? <laughs> Did you see the spinning ones? It's yeah. ES, the electric one that they had down in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people thought they were fake, but um, 
No, when you have like independent motors on the wheels like that, you can you can make them do all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, can't can't the Cybertruck do something like that? It's like the steer by wire kind of thing. I think it has kind of that same idea. I don't know if it's quite it was quite as nimble as the G wagon. Is the G wagon almost like the wheels went like completely sideways and just drove in a circle? Yeah, it's a much shorter wheelbase. Um, they should have been showing something like that off instead of the uh, the supposedly bulletproof windshields. What do you think about driver assist technology, Justin? So. In cars, they've gotten a lot better, but I hear nothing but complaints from from other truck drivers. The the auto brakes are constantly if, if it sees a shadow on the road, it'll it'll break hard on you. Most most drivers um, aren't aren't fans because you want to feel like you're in control, and these things are taking all the control out of your hands. Well, I got a little story to tell you here. This is from John Gallagher. It's a headline up on FreightWaves.com. Carrier safety ratings and driver assist technology. John Gallagher reports federal, federal regulators are providing a rare glimpse into information they may consider for a significant rule affecting how carriers are considered uh, fit to be operating. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration published on last Friday a notice of data availability, or they call it a NODA or a NODA, to alert the public about a set of studies it could rely on to develop a proposed for a final rule that would be used to determine the carrier safety rating. This guy, P. Sean Gurney, he's a motor carrier regulations expert and co-director of Scope Elitist Transportation Consulting, he pointed out, could the FMCSA be suggesting they're considering crediting carriers to go beyond compliance by adopting safety technology. Is this a good direction to go in to, to tie carrier safety ratings by technology? If I'm a legislator, it probably does, right? I mean, it sounds, yes, of course, this technology would make driving safer. We should legislate it. And if you use it, then you are a safer carrier. But is that a correct way to think about this? No, not really. All this is going to do is punish the carriers that have been around that have stellar safety ratings that don't get a lot of inspections. Most of the time, if you're a broker, you know, you're looking at the, the carrier safety record. And as a driver, if you have a really good record, um, you're not going to have anything saying saying uh, saying so. Nobody's like pulling into a way station and volunteering uh, for inspections all the time. So I think legislators think that this is going to be a, a helpful tool for um you know, the intermediaries to, to really gauge whether or not a carrier is safe or not. But that's just not really how things work on the ground. Now, OIDA, who tries to act as a voice for the independent carrier, they had some comments on this. They said, we believe rewarding carriers that simply adopt safety technology without improving actual safety performance would only benefit motor carriers who can afford costly new technologies. Now, this comes up with any regulation and rulemaking, especially when things are really expensive. It came up with, like, EVs of the drayish port. Who are the first ones that can afford to do it? Obviously, the much bigger mega carriers and forcing that technology on smaller carriers, which most trucking companies are, can be a big financial burden. Yeah, yeah, this is just punishing the smaller guys. James Milken, he was in the comments. He said, you got to be kidding me. I drove over a million miles. The electronics they put on trucks, Bendix Lane, they are all just annoying distractions. Less is more. Here's a revolutionary idea. Hire good drivers that have the attention mm -hmm. span of more than a mosquito flying into a fly swatter. Electronics are not going to fix the driver shortages, make it worse. One reason that he just retired. So does this put a lot of stress on the individual behind the wheel, these new technologies, especially sort of the, the in-cab stuff, the eye-tracking things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember the first time I got into an international, I had like one of those lane detector things. The thing's constantly beeping at you because you could be driving over the lanes to be avoiding obstacles. If you hit construction, you know, the lanes get narrower. So all day long, the, the, the dashboard of the cab is just constantly beeping at you. And after a while, you kind of learn to just block all that out. And if you're not paying attention to any of the safety alarms now, what's the point of even having them in the first place?
Yeah, we have those on my minivan, like the the lane assist. Most of your like yeah. newer uh, four wheelers, even like lower end ones, have that stuff now, and I find it more annoying than helpful. I really like the like adaptive cruise feature. That's great. You can set sort of the yeah. distance from the cars, and it gives you sometimes a little too aggressive, but in general, it's pretty awesome when you have big long stretches. But that technology is great. That takes some fatigue off me as the driver. But yeah, the, the side thing. It always gives me false alerts, it seems, that, like, I'm in the wrong lane or someone's coming over. So it seems to do more harm than good. Yeah, or, like, if you're coming to an intersection and the lines aren't perfectly straight or, you know, if there's a there's a turn. Any, anytime it, it thinks you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, it's just, like, beeping at you. And you're like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Please, please be quiet. <laughs> Concerned OTR Heavy Haul and Tanker says... Experience I have with these new safety technologies to assist us drivers is more dangerous than not having it. Example, I hauled tankers driving down the interstate and the car cut me off for the exit. The system lost my brakes and about took out four other cars because I had no control over the vehicle or the stupid lane assist yelling when the markers are not visible on the road is very distracting. We have a lot of weight on we have a lot of weight on us as the truckers and tanks have liquid that surges when brakes lock. So kind of a good point there on tankers too, because you get a lot of sloshing liquid. And if those sensors take over more than the driver thinks, where a professional driver is judging what's in front end behind him. But this automatic braking, it's kind of only looking at the front. Well, this driver has to compensate for the amount of liquid and the four cars behind him that could, could end up crashing into him. Yeah, they're very binary. All it knows is obstacle in the road, hit the brakes. It has no idea what kind of load you got behind you, what's going to happen to that load if you if you uh, brake hard and how it can shift and potentially uh, put other people at risk. Tex is sick of being targeted. He said four-wheelers on cell phones, about one out of three drivers talking on phones, not hands-free, not paying attention to the road, making last-minute decisions. They just missed the ramp and cut a big truck off. No serious fines for cars causing accidents or driving with phone in hand. Police officers are no different doing the same thing or worse. 42 years on the road, now retired because of the FMCSA. I never had an accident. My 42 years of common sense counts. I guess so, does it? Yeah, I, maybe it won't. And this could all just be a race to the bottom. There are certain states, uh, I want to say Mississippi, I know one of them, they have like cameras on the road now that will look into the cabs of trucks and cars to see whether or not people are on their phones. So careful what you wish for with some of this. John Drummond said common sense is an uncommon phenomenon and drivers who don't have proper training in watching the road, depending on technology to stop bad habits, is an accident looking for a place to happen. The human brain is the best technology. Once training is complete and seen, most accidents are preventable by simply paying attention to what you're doing. Put the cell phone down and drive. But if everyone was paying attention, maybe this wouldn't be such an issue. Yeah, um, it's a really good example of just how binary thinking in a lot of these sensors and machines are. You know, my, my Subaru that I have has like the automatic automatic braking if I have my cruise on. And so if I see the car in front of me has a signal, signal on and they're slowing down to make the turn, my car doesn't know that. All it knows is the person in front of me is slamming on their brakes, so it does the same. It has no, um, no wherewithal to know that like, okay, I can close the gap and let this guy turn and keep, keep everything running smoothly. All it knows is brake hard right now. What do you think is going to happen, though? You think that ultimately FMCSA forces that technology in the trucks as part of carrier safety ratings? Yeah, un unless there's like a massive, massive push from drivers as a whole. You know, there's millions of us out there um, to really put a stop on this. I don't I don't see it uh, reversing course right now. Yeah, I've been in some of the, the trucker group group chats before you can come to a consensus. A lot of them have like recently, especially just evolved into shouting matches. Yeah, and I think this is something that drivers as a whole would would agree upon. But yeah, they, we get so distracted with other other fights. It's, it's really hard to come together as a collective. 
too busy yelling about broker margins or, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking about that. You know, like, you know, whenever you get like a phone, for example, you get a new phone, you have the option to trade it back into Apple and take that value. You could yep. sell it on Gazelle. You could go on eBay. You could sell it yourself. You could sell it to a coworker. Well, I mean, isn't that the same thing as sort of broker transparency? Like when I go to Gazelle and I sell it to them for 120 bucks, it's like, yeah, I know I could probably get more money going on eBay or Facebook Marketplace or whatever. But you know what? For 120 bucks, it's out of my hands. Gazelle sends me a box. It's convenient. I understand the transaction. I could care less what Gazelle goes and sells my phone for. What difference does that make? I wanted the 120. Yeah, just like if you um, you buy a truck, you put a million and a half miles on it and you sell it, it's out of your hair now. It's, it's the next guy's problem. Yeah, it's like selling anything. I mean, like margin yeah it, it's such a that one is such a distraction because there's other issues i think that we could we could actually could make a difference in this industry that drivers could focus a little bit heavier on yeah yeah fewer distractions both, both metaphorically and, and literally <laughs> you got any uh you got any good logistics horror stories oh, oh wait hold on a second before um, we get to that here's one here's one for you let's go to hold on i think we get the bridge first oh we show bridge crashes all the time here's one from an actual driver's point of view though justin Kill that JVC trailer. GPS. Oh my god. Man. Oh man, look at this man. No. No. Is is roof got shorn off too? Oh. Oh wait. Yeah, that 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 truck's a right off now. I'm up, man, look at this man. Oh my goodness. You see the GPS? Easily, see easily the GPS avoidable. Me up. Oh my god. No. No. Is that gonna no, impact no, his carrier no, no, safety no, no, score? No, no, Is that gonna hurt his no. carrier safety score? Oh man. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god. I've been in this situation. I have oh, I've had a time god. or two where you know you come up to a bridge out of nowhere and you're like, oh crap, where did this come from? You really got a, a trip plan ahead of time. Know your routes, know your low clearances, and whether or not you can fit. You think his reaction this guy clearly did, did none of that? <laughs> well, he had like seventeen swears we had a beep. Do you think that? Um, <laughs> what would you have done differently if you were him? Uh, trip plan ahead of time. Trip. Know my route. Um, I mean, we have phones in our pockets now with like Google Maps and stuff. There's absolutely no reason why you can't, you know, see your route and realize, oh, there's a bridge or an overpass here. Let me go on Street View and look at the street sign and see whether or not it can fit that 10 minutes, 15 minutes of trip planning is going to save your career or possibly your life in this case. Ooh. So now we'll go over to some logistics horror stories. The worst one I ever had, it wasn't like so much a horror. It was just a pain in the ass because I, I was in perishable fish shipping. I worked for a company called uh Vandergriff. They used to be known as Boston Bay brokers. And we had a, uh, perishable shipment come in a container and it was supposed to come like, I think it was squid. It was supposed to come China to Boston, but it went China to Brazil. And in that market, there's so much handholding with that freight. And it wasn't necessarily the incident that was the nightmare. It was the client like afterwards, because this guy would just call 30 times a day about, and I don't really blame him, but he called 30 times a day about every single shipment after we screwed that particular one up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Once you get burned, you're like, I, I never want that to happen again. So they're going to, they're going to micromanage the hell out of you. No, especially in fish, because in fish too, it's like on the compliance side, you have to worry about not just the customs clearance, you got to worry about an FDA clearance, you got to worry about either or both of them doing exams. It's a whole big pain in the butt dealing with fish. 
Yeah. Um, before my time at the post office, we had a driver uh, take a turn too quickly, flip the truck and spilled mail everywhere. Stories like that are like really fascinating because there's like a whole army that has to like go into effect immediately. Because first they got to they got to collect all the mail, salvage what they can, make sure the driver's safe, make sure there's no injuries or fatalities. Um, so yeah, le- learning about uh, mail accidents and how they have to like recover that stuff is super super cool. What do they do with the like the mail that spills out of a truck? Does that still get delivered to people if it's in okay condition? If it can be, I mean, if it's if it's raining or snow outside, you know, chances are some of the mail or packages could be could be destroyed they, they try to recover everything that they can this redditor shashenko says what are your logistics horror stories my worst one happened last year trucker outgated an empty container from my yard but it was the wrong one and it was loaded he returned it to Ooh. the port they accepted it even with the wrong container number and booking it somehow made its way onto a vessel and back to china yeah it happens even with like these different like controls you have in your bill of lading and yeah, customs clearance and all that stuff somehow this stuff just like we have no idea how that one got from china to brazil that was supposed to be in boston that's not what the bill of lading said nothing said that it just that's where it ended up and so once you have the human factor in place and you have a really charismatic driver and a security guard that really just doesn't care, <laughs> you can you can move anything wherever you want. That's that's what I figured. It must have been some guy who they see all the time coming through the port, some guy or girl, and they were just like, come on through, Joe or Chen or whoever it was. Yep. It happened over in China. This person said, I had a truckload of shaving cream flip over and shut down Savannah, Georgia years ago. All of Savannah, Georgia? I'm so old. The space shuttle was a thing when I started. We were moving it for some reason. We hit the bridge. Wait, he hit the bridge with the space shuttle? His team drove off a mountain. He had a driver running late with beer cups for the old Yankee Stadium. Oh, he tried to deliver an hour before opening day to the park. All those are just like crappy oh. planning. So much of this stuff can be avoided by crappy plan of by good planning. How are you even gonna get into the into the uh, park if it's the day before? No, not a good idea, especially if you've been, you must not have driven in New York much. This guy said, uh, disgruntled driver, dispute over payment, rate reduction works, ended up driving to the customer's HQ during the night, took a S on the front entrance, and stuck a poopy B-O-L to the glass. Wow. Have you ever, like, uh, weaponized your own bodily fluids against a, uh, a ship or a carrier? not like that because most of the places i'm going to i'm going to be going there again and again and again and the people that work there are going to be there for decades so you know why would you want to make an enemy out of somebody you're going to be seeing all the time yeah that's like a uh that's like a burn the boats kind of move you know you're, you've got to kind of be out of the industry after that one i'm always curious like what so this driver I, i'm curious is he still driving and if so who's he driving for what's he doing now because if something if, if i know that about a potential driver that i'm trying to hire like no get lost yeah yeah not not a cool story well here's one it said i've had a trucker pull a gun on a shipping clerk i've had a logistics manager of a produce shipper pull a gun on a trucker i've had multiple uh lizards meth head driver combos show up to pick up a load mid bender i've had a driver crash into the shipper's front gate causing ten thousand dollars in damage i've seen a load of produce rejected for being two percent bruised the last one is by far the most obscene the two percent bruised rejection produce is the worst like you, you could be the, mo- the the greatest driver ever but if there's like you know the wrong shade of whatever on that fruit they'll just reject your whole load and then now it's up to you to figure out what to do with it armchair attorney our buddy matthew leffler says not my worst but i'll never forget had a reefer trailer on my yard for a year on a litigation hold suv slammed into the back of it going 50 plus miles per hour and wrecked the driver uh the suv the driver of the suv died daily reminder just how dangerous things can be yeah you're not even moving your trucks and apparently someone drove into it 
And now you're stuck with that trailer for a year in your yard. You probably need that space. Well, this is a sad one, but one worth mentioning. A driver committed suicide on a load. Um, Team driver's truck blew up and they died. Still not sure how it happens. I think these are different. It said it looked like it had a bomb in it. Two trucks have flipped over and ended up in a total loss. A driver... I don't want to read that one. <laughs> the list, the list, a driver did something gross in, uh, in front of a clerk. The list goes on. Yeah. The suicide thing though, you ever have a driver commit suicide that you, you were friends with or knew? No, not personally. Um, I definitely, I, I had a team driver one time. Um, he had worked for the company prior, took a year off. His, his, his uh, son had died. I think he was like only three or five, but when he came back, he was not in any kind of mental state to be driving, uh, away from home for a long period of time. Cause as soon as we, uh, left the yard. I mean, his wife is calling when you coming back, when you coming back. Um, that's not something you need to be worrying about when you're on the road. Cause we, we stay up for a, one, a month at a time. And uh, I, I was telling the guy, like, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a professionalist. I'm a truck driver. So you really need to talk to somebody who can really, you know, deal with your issues. Not me. Yeah. You got to get that, got to get that mental health, right. Especially on the road. There's a lot, a lot of time to think and let like the darkness creep in make sure you get that taken care of and good on the company for sort of recognizing that he shouldn't be out on the road and, and needs to you know get proper before he's back out there and it wasn't so much the company it was me because they they were oh. like oh yeah he's he's fine just go go oh. drive with him and then like two days two days in the trip i'm like yeah you guys got to get us back this isn't gonna work out okay cowbell for you no cow uh, thumbs down for the company they they should have recognized that well the, the, these are stories about truck drivers going wrong or freight going wrong but here's a good story it's been incredibly freezing out all over the country it's been it's been really terrible this writer put this up and it said to the truckers who spent the night with us trapped on i-5 northbound in oregon last night thank you sincerely thank you sorry i wasn't sure if this is the right place to post this, but they really deserve recognition for everything they did to help us stranded motorists. We were literally stopped on I-5 near Cottage Grove overnight for 12 hours. So many truckers walked through the endless lines of cars, passing out bottles of water and snacks. I saw so many of you carrying completely full boxes down the highway and not walking back until everything was gone. We can't thank you enough for your kindness. I won't ever forget your selflessness. Um, added to my comment above, it was 19 degrees last night. Roads were covered nice. There wasn't any official presence. There was no news until uh, we were stuck out there too late. Anytime we hear stories like that, freaking amazing, right? Motorists, everyone coming together, just helping these stranded drivers, especially you know they're going to be there at least overnight. Yeah, I think we covered something that similar last year. I think it was on I-80. Um, drivers had been stuck for like over 24 hours and there was just like a house right off the interstate that was like helping out drivers and giving them soup and stuff to keep them warm. Um, but again, this, this all comes down to trip planning. Check the weather before you go. Uh, make sure that the road isn't going to be closed. I-80 in Wyoming is notorious for that. Um, they People complain about them shutting the highway down all the time, but it's for good reason. The, the, the storms out there are no joke. Yeah. You know what? Out here, though, like when I was in the Northeast, I never understood why the South shut down for storms. And then we had a snow and ice storm here. And I got to tell you, it's like the driving here is much scarier oh. than in the Northeast. They don't. We don't salt anything down here, Justin. Nope. No, they have no budget for it. My parents live in South Carolina, and it was the same thing. I think like five years ago, they had uh, maybe like a quarter inch of snow. But while it's on the ground, yeah, it gets it gets real bad. Yeah, we well, like we heard school was like canceled, and it's been canceled for like two days over like a nothing burger snow up in the northeast. But then I went like we went outside to walk the dog, and you immediately slip on the ice, and you're like, okay, this yep. it's not good. They 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 delayed school uh, two hours yesterday and today because of uh, the storm that we had. And you know, you look outside right now; it's beautiful. The roads are clear and everything. But like overnight, yeah, it gets it gets real bad.
Yeah, welcome to Hamilton County. Well, speaking of snow, I don't know if this is a lumper or not. Take a look at this video. This driver has had enough. He's his plow and he's taking it out on the world. Colin Rugg says, man goes on mini rampage in Lincoln, Nebraska and rams a bobcat ski loader into a police car who's 36-year-old Samuel Pirot. He was arrested and charged with second-degree assault and criminal mischief. The police were called when he was driving recklessly and just slamming everyone into everyone like you can see there. Yeah, a little mini mini uh, killdozer. I'm surprised he didn't try to like flip the car. I don't know if, I don't know what the load capacity on those things are. My my dad's got one. I'll I'll reach out to him and ask him if he can flip a car with it. You ever thought about just going house like that? If you don't have the jet ski in the basement, maybe you can take the ski loader and just start flipping some cop cars. <laughs> no, my brother-in-law's a cop. He wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> no, no. Not advocating that. It was, it was a joke, people. No, no. Maybe maybe he should get a job working for the rail. You want to push snow around? Check out how we keep intermodal flowing. Check out how we keep the rails going. Take a look at this bad boy right here. Full transformer style. So cool. What are those things on the front? Are they like turbine blades? Yeah, just giant blades. It sucks up the snow and then shoots it out the sides. Let's see this thing. Chopping them all up because the snow, you know, they're they're not catching it as it's on the as it's coming down. They're catching it like as it's already hard packed on the ground. Man, that's a lot of snow. That would be fun to drive. Oh yeah. It's short too, so you don't have to walk a mile if uh, you're getting a bad sensor alarm. Let's jump over to uh, searching your freight broker's room. This is uh, the mayor of New York. He's going to tell you how to look out for contraband that your your freight broker may have. No, not that. Yeah, let's go to Ernie. He's the one walking around the room. After that, after that, after this one. Skip this one. <laughs> nope, not the cow. Next one. We're running a little short on time. This going, yeah. Here we go. Look at the jewelry box. A jewelry box of this nature. Maybe a simple jewelry box. But Where if I you keep look my zen. closely, you don't know what your child may be hiding. For instance, a gun. Look at picture frames and behind them. Cameras. It's cut so Try to perfectly. determine what's, what's <laughs> taking place. Bullets. Behind a picture frame, you can find bullets. You should always, when your child brings in his popular knapsack with many different locations, look through it to popular see knapsack. what exactly is your child carrying in addition to a book something simple as a crack pipe something simple as a as a baby doll could be just a baby doll but also it could be a place <laughs> where you could secrete or how those broker drugs. margins are going hands over the pillows and see if you feel anything that's unusual like a pillow like this with a button is a perfect invitation to hide something and i felt something all he's doing it. is giving people ideas see what Give it, it yeah these are where just i used to hide my things when i was a kid you know it could be more Maybe not than a gun. Books. Perfect place to hide. How many, how many guns cocaine? does this kid have? I don't know. I, I, is that Ernie's kid? I have no idea, man. Maybe he's got to. Maybe he's got to figure uh, figure it out. What do you think is the number one item of contraband you'd find in a freight broker's room? Oh, uh, Zin. Tons of Zin. Well, I guess oh. that wouldn't be contraband. That would be that would be performance enhancing. Like European European Zin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, like the fifty milligram. Ugh. Well, J Justin, it's time for a little Parents Corner. Have you ever tried to put Sullivan to sleep? Hey, like yo, this? I'm back. Like I'm about to do your sister's hair. Yeah, I'm clipped up. I'm an attentive pops. You're going to get all the shots. I don't miss much. Arms lift up like you trying to get picked up. But try to sleep on me. All it take is one it Z is to get you zipped up. Full John take Cena on Sullivan. Baby, crying all crazy because <laughs> your new teeth hurt. Yeah. 
out here yeah, like you're bars, baby. Till I rock you to sleep and give you this dream work. You ever go night night? Yeah, I'ma make this quick. You could talk all that baby spit. Let's see if we'll let him wrap us off the air. Justin Martin, sit. Super Trucker. Go find him sit on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. Find me at Timothy Dooner. Find this show wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, look up What the Truck on Freeway's YouTube channel or audio players. Hey, thank you all for joining us. Take care and don't be a stranger.